welcome to the first ever episode of the Body of Water podcast. Centered around aquatic sports, we hope to deliver perspectives from personalities in the aquatic bubble about history, training strategies, leadership practices, safe sport initiatives, and much more. I'm your host, Andrew Muir. Having literally grown up around a pool, I feel as though water is simply part of my DNA. Starting as a competitive swimmer, I moved to the sport of water polo, where I eventually grew into a national team coach and administrator. I've always been tightly connected to all the other aquatic sports through family, friends, and the general interconnectivity of the aquatic community. There's so much to explore. With that, I would like to welcome Body of Water's first guest, Mr. David Hart. David is a four-time Olympian. As an athlete, David competed in the 1972 Munich Olympic Games and the 1976 Montreal Olympic Games, serving as co-captain in the latter event. As a coach, serving in the 1984 Los Angeles Games and 2000 Olympic Games as an assistant coach for the men's national team, then women's national team, respectively. Alongside his Olympic appearances, David has been to five senior world championships, six senior Pan American Games, and a multitude of junior and youth events, achieving some of Canada's best results. David's impact goes well beyond working directly with athletes as a coach. He has consulted for many clubs and mentored many of the game's current generation of coaches, including myself. His career in the sport is the most extensive of any Canadian water polo personality. The capacities in which he has contributed to the sport include athlete, coach, administrator, mentor, innovator, official, instructor, author, talent ID scout, and volunteer. Now David is our official historian with his release of The History of Canadian Water Polo and has agreed to join us for a three-part series centered around those three books. So without further ado, allow me to welcome Mr. David Hart. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure for me to be here, and I'm I'm very honored that uh, you've uh, invited me. So with that, we'll get rolled over to some of our questions. So, so this episode's edition is going to be all geared around the history of Canadian water polo. So there have been three, or there are going to be three editions. The first was released in 2017 and spans the history of Canadian water polo between 1886 and 1929. The second, released most recently, just a couple months ago in 2020, uh, spanned the history of 1930 to 1967. And the third one is going to come a few years from now. What can you tell us about um, this history of Canadian water polo so far, David? Well, I guess it's, it was a, an interesting uh, journey for me. Um, I'll just give you a little bit of background. Over the years, I was involved in various ways in promoting the history of Canadian water polo. Um, and I, I hung up my bathing suit in uh, Montreal in 1976. And a year later, I found myself um, as a director of Canadian water polo at the national office in Ottawa. And I launched a magazine called Free Throw, Coufran, Free Throw. Uh, in which I did regular articles on the history of Canadian water polo. So my interest really goes back first here in Hamilton, uh, where I was, you know, piecing together the story um, in Hamilton, but then working for Water Polo Canada, I started there. And then over the years, uh, at various times as I got older, you know, I had people say, you know, David, you really should one day sit down and, and write the history of the, you know, you know so much about it. And, 
they, anytime I, I started talking about it, people found it very interesting. So it wasn't until um, around 2011, I got asked by my great aunt uh, to, to research uh, my great grandfather's uh, a boat trip from the Ireland. So I got involved in, in researching my family's ancestry. I spent two years, I probably put a couple thousand hours in, in researching my, wow. uh, fam my family tree yeah. in the UK, Scotland, Ireland, and, and England and tracing my family back. So it was detective work, okay? Online detective work. <laughs> yeah. So around, once that was kind of done and I had this huge uh, family history I'd pieced together, you know, I, I started promoting um, a get together for the Pan Am Games in 2015. Yep. And that kind of just took off. It, uh, so many people were interested and a lot of people showed up to that thing that I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe some, this is the time to sit down and write the story. So I kind of kicked it off at my lake home up in, uh, up outside Bancroft uh, in 2015. And I spent two years uh, full-time work. I, I, I estimated that it was 2000 hours of research time and writing time to get that first volume. So that's kind of the backdrop on which it happened. I started in, I started writing the book in 2015 yep. uh, and researching while I was doing that. And then uh, we launched in 2017, the first volume. The first, and even preceding that first volume, you know, uh, the Facebook group that you created obviously gained a whole bunch of momentum. And, and a lot of the pictures that you see posted within the book were, were also posted up there. So, you know, there's an online presence to the history of Canadian water polo too, right? Yeah, well, that's, that's how it started. I, I got the Facebook page up first. Yeah, uh, I was, you know, I was starting to put old video clips, old photos, in, anecdotal information and stuff. And there seemed to be so much interest. It, I just said, David, get off your, your duffus and write the book. So I just kind of got into it. And the, once I got into it, I recognized that, oh my God, what a story we have. The start date for what we thought was our start, you know, on or around the launch of the Golden Cup in 1907 yeah. turned out to be uh, false. It, there, it was, a, you know, it predated by, by two decades, um, uh, that start date. So as I was getting into the finding these uh, online uh, newspaper articles, I was continuously blown away. And then it became a bit of a challenge. Well, how far back can I push this? Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. I mean, obviously, you know, it's pretty difficult to touch on the, the history of Canadian water polo without touching on the history of water polo itself. So, you know, before we jump into kind of the foundations of, of water polo in Canada, specifically Montreal, and even all of North America, you know, what can you tell us, um, especially for those young athletes that might not realize about the origins of the sport? Okay, so... Um, the, the origins of the sport occur in the UK, uh, yep. on or around 1870. Um, there, there are various activities going on in the, uh, the seaside, uh, resorts in the UK, uh, in rivers, uh, and, uh, there aren't any indoor pools really of any of, uh, there's, there's, there's a little, um, areas along the shore where they're uh, blocked off and th th there was a an activity in which people sat on barrels uh and paddled uh paddled around uh with a ball in the water 
and uh, probably the kids have seen some of the old photos online or the etchings or the not photos, but etchings uh, of these people on barrels. And it has this feel of polo, the game of uh, polo, uh, where people ride on horses and, and knock a ball around. So there was that activity. But then um, there was um, a guy in Scotland, uh, Wilson, that was asked to develop a, a game uh, that could generate interest in the water. And he came up with a, a there, were, there were kind of a couple of versions that were going on. One, one was a rugby style. It was called football in the water, which would look like, uh, rugby would look like today. Um, yep. There were two sides. There was a ball. Uh, they, they played more or less in shallow water, pr primarily in shallow, shallow water, where they could run along the bottom. And the game looked like they throw the ball uh, one to the other. You could tackle. And in the case of the water, you could hold them underwater. The game was pretty brutal. And then there were no real goals. There were just kind of two ends wharfs where a goalie stood on it and then anybody that came here that tried to put the ball on on the wharf uh they jump on them and, and and try and drown them to you know so the game the game looked like rugby yeah at the same time there was a third variation in which uh they wanted to, to promote it more like soccer uh, whereby there was passing and and, and in place of running uh, they developed swimming part. Uh, so there was actually a swimming component to the game. Um, so we had these three variations of the, of the game and the British and the Scottish uh, st moved, started moving towards the soccer variation. So if you see the earliest constructed rules of water polo, they look very much like a soccer map, how it was structured. They actually created goals, like a soccer goal. Yep. And uh, the, the way the game was played was much like that. Um, what happened was as the game started to spread out of the UK, uh, it entered the United States. Everybody thought that the US was the first place in the world. And for many years, it was published that uh, the US was the next country to adopt water polo in 1888 in Boston. Uh, they were playing the, the uh, rugby style, which became a very, uh, was uh, pop popularized the game as, as uh, you know, sort of like murder in the water. You could hold people underwater to, there was near drownings and yeah. uh, it was a very, very violent game. Um, Canada uh, was, was caught in the middle uh, between uh, this uh, rough uh, American version and the more soccer style game that the UK was trying to export outside its boundaries. So that's the background. There were th the three, it kind of, uh, the, the, the sort of um, barrel game where people were, you know, knocking things around, that kind of died quickly. And then yep. it became a game be either rugby style or, or soccer style. That, that's kind of how it evolved in the late 1800s. No, obviously the rugby style kind of died out to take place of the soccer style, which is the closest of what we'll see um, in the sport today. But obviously there's still a lot of evolution to go. Yeah, well, the U.S. The US actually hung on to the, the rugby style until 1920. Oh, they, wow. Yeah, and, and in fact, when they hosted the 1904 Olympic Games in St. Louis, 
no other countries would attend the uh, water polo. So it was only American uh, club teams that played for the Olympic Games in 1904 in St. Louis. And the reason was that the Americans insisted on their rugby rules, whereas France, England, Belgium, and so Germany, and so on, refused to play that game. And they, that's why they boycotted the 1904 water polo event in St. Louis. So the, the Americans were slow to adopt the international rules, but they finally did so in 1920. Oh, wow, that's that's something that's pretty interesting to think about because obviously, you know, there is uh, unanimous agreement on the rules of any Olympic sports these days. So you don't see those kind of things. So it's something that you definitely don't think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. It was if you know, first games in Paris were played under the so-called international or British rules. Yeah. Uh, 1904 in St. Louis. No, uh, they, they the games were played under American only. And then in 1908 and 12, uh, when it was back in Europe, they they went back to the international rules. And then, of course, the first World War uh, in 1914-18 interrupted the whole Olympic cycle. And then by then, there was an internal movement in the United States to move towards the international game. And that's when the whole thing kind of coalesced around the in Antwerp in, in 1920. Uh, that's where we kind of had a, a, a finally a world consensus on what water polo was supposed to look like. There you go. So those are the foundations on which we stand upon. And if we're going to jump back, you know, in the first edition, um, you talk a lot about uh, the sport found its foundations in Montreal, even proceeding when when the states over in Boston found um, that water polo. And there's one article that really kind of caught my eye specifically, and it was almost a play-by-play -play of a game played in Lachine, which was an outskirt of Montreal, I'm sure many of us are familiar with. Um, and what are kind of the key differences that you think between today's game and the game that was played then in, in Lachine? So, yeah, so this article, um, I found that by accident. I, I, uh, I once I knew that Montreal had water polo in 1887. That was that took me about a year to track that down, and then yep. it took me another year and a half after what I thought that the start date in Canada was 1887. It was only almost at the point of publishing this book. The book was almost completely written. Yep. And I found this Boston Globe article in 1888, which identified that. Um, Water polo had gotten its start in Lachine, Quebec. It named, uh, this is the article you're referring to, yep. um, it, that gentleman by Bellin Carter uh, and a couple of other uh, guys, uh, Benedict, a uh, couple of uh, swimmers that held Canadian records at the time, got, uh, got a game going in 1886. So if you, look at, if you look at the description of that game, there are a lot of elements that 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 look like this soccer match where there's a, it, it's a bit of a hybrid where at some moments during the game the uh, players are actually do, dribbling with the ball as we understand the word dribbling yep. swimming with the ball um, and then other times there would be uh, the rugby uh, part of the game would take over where the, you know you would jump on and tackle and try to wrestle the ball out of the hand hand of the uh, by sinking them underwater or locking them in some kind of a leg uh, a leg uh, uh, grab or whatever yeah. but but uh, the game 
really starts to look like um, a water polo match, eh? Because of uh, of the, um, the the beautiful description that the uh, the journalist gives in that Boston article. Yeah, and the, the description is outstanding. You know, it does feel like you're you're visualizing a water polo game that we might understand today, and it's cool to think that you know the foundations of our sport were were played. You know, in Montreal, which is a hotbed of water polo uh, in Canada today, and it's it's remained that way pretty much ever since. Am I right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the the birthplace is Montreal, as far as we've been able to see. I, I don't think um, there's any other location in Canada that predates the 1886. I'm I'm, I'm positive about that. And Montreal was such an interesting cosmopolitan area because. Um, most of uh, seven other professional sport or uh, sporting organizations like Canadian Hockey Association, Canadian Lacrosse, and so on, all got uh, all their founding fathers are all in the Montreal area. So wow. the, the Montreal, the MAAA, the Montreal Amateur Athletic Association, which is still in existence today, uh, was responsible for seven different sports uh, forming themselves. So Montreal was a was a hotbed for the creation of uh, sporting organizations uh, in the late 1880s. Wow, that that's incredible. Another thing I didn't necessarily know, and it's obviously exciting to have our foundations in such a, a rich part of our country. Now to to talk a little further about kind of the history of water polo in Canada, 1907 is a very significant year as it's the first year that the Golden Cup was presented. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that trophy? Yeah, Chris Golden is uh, a, a Canadian born. He was born, he's from his family's, uh, I traced him through Ancestry and oh, his, yeah. his family goes back to the UK uh, in England um, and uh, he, Chris, Chris Golden is born in sort of, um, uh, you know, one of the uh, rich, rich, more, more affluent uh, Montreal areas uh, to, uh, you know, a little, a little more upper class, uh, a British family. And he gets involved uh, in sport as a, a young guy, uh, plays and uh, uh, plays a little bit of water polo, does, you know, a lot, a lot of different sports in the Montreal area. But his, his, his passion really seems to be getting involved in the administrative side of, uh, of, of sport. And so uh, uh, in, eight, in 1907, uh, uh, 1906, a group gets together to form the Canadian Aquatic Polo Association. Um, and uh, he's, he's one of the key architects of the formation of that, of that uh, entity. Um, and he decides to donate a cup uh, for the senior men's uh, championship. It turns out that there had been championships which predate 1907, and, and I've yep. been able to trace it back to 1893 is my best, oh, wow. best estimate um, for winners of the Canadian men's title, but there was no cup for it. So Chris Goulden was the guy that kind of launched this uh, Golden Cup, and and the Golden Cup is the only the Stanley Cup is uh, the you know the hockey uh, Stanley Cup is the only older uh, annually awarded uh, sport trophy in Canada. 
So that's a real feather in the cap of water polo. Uh, soccer doesn't, basketball doesn't, uh, lacrosse doesn't. Uh, none of the other sports in Canada have a trophy that pre, that's an annual national uh, title uh, like that that predates us. So it's a very significant Canadian um, trophy. Which is obviously very exciting too to, to hear that the only trophy that's been handed out annually more more than the Golden Cup or longer than the Golden Cup is the Stanley Cup. So that's, that's right. It's it's not a bad cup to to fall second fiddle to, but obviously that lays out the fact that there is a lot of history for you to talk about uh, within all of these editions. Now the books themselves are are full of very interesting photos of what water polo used to be, look like, the pools that they they competed in. Um, excerpts from articles, uh, like you kind of name it. Like, could you tell us about some of the favorite things that you've found along the way? Yeah. So one of the things that, that really jumped out at me, uh, Andrew, as I was getting into this is that I realized that water polo really got its start, uh, you know, not only in Montreal, but in Toronto, uh, Ottawa, Winnipeg, and, and, and on the West coast in Victoria. Uh, and in Vancouver, um, through uh, canoe, canoe and uh, yacht clubs, so boating clubs. Oh, this, wow. is where, this is where water polo really got its start because the because of the uh, you know there weren't any indoor facilities, uh, especially in a northern country like us, uh, where you know we have such short such a short summer season. Most people's um, uh, you know, opportunity to get into water was either on coastal areas or at rivers or in lakes. So mm -hmm. it was boating clubs and yachting clubs where water polo uh, got its start because you would have had some kind of a, you know, an, or an administrative body there, an organization, and they were looking to put in various activities. Like, for example, the very first swim club um, uh, in North America, was formed at, on the St. Lawrence River. Uh, it was called the Montreal Swimming Club, but yep. it kind of got its start uh, in association with one of the, you know, the boating clubs. Uh, and there was just a group of people that were interested in promoting swimming. Yep. And they got themselves started uh, in 1875 uh, in the St. Lawrence River, just across from St. Helens Island, where we, you know, where the beautiful, well, Expo 67 was there. And now the beautiful, uh, aquatic facilities where we held the 2005 World Championships, World Aquatic Championships. So it was right there in 1875 that the Montreal Swimming Club got started and they were one of the very first organizations to adopt water polo in uh, Canada um, along with uh, the MAAA, as I mentioned, and then uh, yep. even uh, uh, the Grand Trunk Railway. A lot of, a lot of different um, organizations uh, once these boating clubs and that created the, the uh, you know, launched water polo, uh, a lot of these different organizations would, police departments would field a team, uh, railway uh, companies would field a team, etc. And that's kind of how these local leagues all got kick-started. So I found that to be a really interesting way that, um, you know, how, how our sport got a, got a foothold in our country. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like, uh, especially down at the harvest with all of the yachts. And, you know, it's also probably pretty cool to, to see the articles because I believe I saw a couple that were talking about, you know, there's a game to be played 
at the island this weekend and and you know we still see a lot of that today yeah like on the west coast for example um the uh, water polo got its start in 1892 in a little town called eskimo uh on the island which was really a naval base oh, so wow. the, how it got started there were the the british British sailors on board the ship that were stationed there organized a game uh, and then that drew it to the attention of people uh, on the island. And then next thing you know, you got the Victoria Swimming Club, the Victoria YMCA, and you've got different different local organizations seeing the game and say, hey, we'd love to do that. So it, you know, it got started. There, there's an, another example how, uh, how the game got started in Canada. And, and obviously some pretty outstanding indoor facilities that were out in Victoria too. I can't quite remember the name of um, some of them, but could you tell us about some of those? Well, the uh, Crystal Palace is probably yes, the one. one of the most uh, outstanding, earliest, uh, beautiful facilities. Uh, was one of the, the premier uh, indoor pools, you could say, in North America, but I mean... Uh, when you see the, the drawings and the, the uh, paintings or the, even some of the early photos, um, it's, it's one of the most outstanding facilities uh, in the world at, at its time. Uh, interesting little anecdote is that uh, Johnny Weismuller broke the world's record for the 100-meter uh, front crawl in that facility um, uh, in the 1920s. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it has... a. And I, it's no longer, it's it now it's more of a uh, kind of a museum uh, piece uh, in Victoria. There's kind of a gardens there, but um, uh, yeah, Vic, the, the games would have been played uh, in uh, in the Crystal, Crystal Palace pool. Um, and then there were other kinds of facilities that were kind of um, built, um, like for example, in Winnipeg, they, they kind of blocked off an area in, in kind of a lake area um, with a kind of a wharf around it. And then they strung outdoor lighting over top of it to, so that they, they could play games until in, in, into the dark. It was called the Clayton Baths in, oh, wow. in Winnipeg, which was um, a real interesting facility. You know, like uh, just picture... You know, Winnipeg getting uh, it, it started in water polo in 1894. <laughs> that, that, it's kind of astonishing to think that there was, uh, you know, in the interior of Canada, especially in a in a place like Winnipeg, uh, to have water polo that early. You could imagine Victoria or Vancouver or Montreal or Toronto, but yeah. uh, you know, Winnipeg. It's 1894. That's 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 quite quite amazing. Yeah, that definitely is quite amazing and, and very different climate out there too. I mean, obviously their summers are very hot, so so maybe they just wanted to spend a little bit more time in the water, you know? Yeah, with the mosquitoes. Um, yeah, avoiding the mosquitoes and the, the horse flies that are a byproduct of that region. <laughs> and with that, that's a wrap on our first episode of the Body of Water podcast. Please join us again next week for the second installment of this three-part series. Goodbye and take care.